One morning a few months ago, I arrived at Glenview as usual. I, I came in and I checked, with, checked in with Lisa and then I headed out of the office. The phone rang, so I stopped and it turns out the call was for me. And Lisa told me who it was. The call was from a man I had helped by listening to his, his sad story of immigration issues, a, a pending deportation order. The only thing keeping him in Canada and out of jail was his poor health. But immigration officials would no longer accept his doctor's letters. If he didn't have a place to live, an address where immigration could keep track of him, he'd be arrested. And he found a place, a room, and he needed help with his first week's rent. So I gave him enough for a week. I prayed with him, and he left, and he said he was hopeful and calm. I didn't forget about him. I expected he would be back to ask for more help. I heard from him a couple of weeks later. He called from Sunnybrook. Another spell in hospital, more surgery. He gave me an update on his immigration status, and he said he hoped I was still praying for him. He said he would be in touch when he got out of the hospital. And one morning, a few months ago, he called. I told Lisa I would take the call upstairs in my office, and on the way up, I asked, what does he want now? And the question echoed in the stairwell, convicting me. I picked up the phone, I heard the familiar voice, and I prepared myself for a request that didn't come. He told me a little about his health. He said he was feeling well and strong for the first time in a very long time. I asked about his immigration status, and he said he, is, he had been granted a stay of deportation on compassionate grounds. So I wondered, did he need rent money, groceries, a job? People sometimes call asking me if someone in this congregation might be able to hire them. No request. He called to say thank you for the time I gave him when he first came to the church for prayer and for the money, which he didn't offer to pay back. And I gave him points for honesty, unlike so many who do say they'll pay me or Glenview back. He called to say thank you. That never happens. Almost never. I got a call like this one one day in Halifax, an update and a thank you. But when did my heart get so hard that my first thought when someone I've helped before calls again, my first thought is, what do they want now? I guess it's an occupational hazard, to be shocked when someone takes the time to say thank you. After all these years, I've been burned so often, I guess there are some scars on my heart. And I try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, at least once. Honestly, most don't come back or call back, but those who do 
I know are so conditioned by their circumstances that they get caught in a pattern of asking, receiving, and moving on. I know how that pattern works. I, I know not to expect more than a cursory thanks, if any thanks at all, because I know I am just one stop along a very difficult path through life. And then someone says thank you, goes out of their way to say thank you, makes a point of it before moving on. Well, every 20 years or so, it seems to happen for me. But thank you. Two little words that have power to change a life or at least make someone's day, especially if we don't expect to hear them. A reading from Deuteronomy gives the instructions for the very first recorded Thanksgiving dinner. The whole book of Deuteronomy is set up as a series of sermons that Moses might have preached to the children and grandchildren of Israel as they looked to the horizon and saw the promised land. More than 40 years have passed since Moses led their parents and grandparents out of Egypt. Deuteronomy means second word or second law. It's a second version of the story and the laws and God's promises, too, for a new generation and a new day. And Moses is concerned that when the people finally get there and they settle in and they recover the lost skills of farming, will they forget how and why and in whose power they got there? Who made the milk and honey flow for them? So when harvest time comes, they must take the first and best of the bounty God and the earth have given to them to the place of worship and offer those gifts with gratitude to God and repeat the story of the ancestors and then have a big party. And that party is to include neighbors who are new to the neighborhood, people who are foreign, alien to them. The gifts won't be left on the altar. They'll be shared in a feast. Now, Glenview's version is in the sharing and good use of the bounty in the chancel, uh, even the leeks and eggplants, I'm sure. But see the date and time of the apple pie-making party on the insert to your bulletin. They're put to good use to be shared. And Moses knows, though the people can't see it yet, that they will prosper in Canaan. After all, he was a prince in Egypt. He knows wealth and power and how both can lead to forgetfulness, unthankfulness, and ingratitude. The author and lay theologian G.K. Chesterton wrote, when it comes to life, the critical thing, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. And Chesterton's definition of gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Wonder, awe. Deuteronomy's script for Thanksgiving dinner grace begins, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor. 
In the summer of uh, 2018, Janet and I cruised north on the Rhine River from Mainz to Amsterdam, and as we moved with the river, I remembered my ancestors who sailed north on the Rhine to what they had been told was freedom and prosperity in North America. I remembered what I know of their story, and I was overwhelmed with awe. There I was, free and prosperous, able to retrace their journey without hardship and with joy. A penniless migrant was my ancestor. A refugee from oppression and religious wars was my ancestor. A Highlander cleared from land, home, and family was my ancestor. A settler dependent on indigenous neighbors to survive a first winter was my ancestor. And how many of you could recite the same historical reasons for gratitude? Albert Einstein is said to have said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. Miracle, wonder, awe, gratitude. Now, last week I did a web search and I wasn't just looking for snappy quotes for the sermon. I was curious to see where the words gratitude, thankfulness, gratefulness, and thanksgiving appeared, particularly how they appeared on web pages and in documents that were not religious. The Christian search results tended to be contaminated with the prosperity gospel. Be grateful so you'll get more. But the most interesting writing and studies and stories about gratitude came from pages about management, leadership, psychology, and self-help. Phrases like the attitude of gratitude and gratitude as a lifestyle turned up in what were to me unexpected places. And so I learned some things. I learned that gratitude can help me live longer especially if I stop complaining and give thanks for what is right in my life and my little part of the world. I learned that saying thank you as often as possible is the best way to lead and follow. Successful, fruitful relationships with employees and team members and employers flow from showing gratitude. Gratitude, not just when children do things that we tell them to do, but demonstrated gratefulness for life itself influences children for good. And on it goes. It seems like everybody has discovered the life-giving, world-changing power of gratitude. In these last days of a nasty federal election campaign, it's hard to be thankful for any of the people who are running for office. But even the candidate we don't like at all, the person we don't agree with, deserves a thank you for aspiring to serve. Even underneath 
the most naked ambition, there is still that desire to serve. I really believe that. Thank you for taking on the risk and the cost of standing for election. Yesterday, a candidate came to my apartment door. Actually, a volunteer knocked on the door and says, I have here with me the candidate for, and he named the party. And this very quiet, shy man appeared out of, as if out of nowhere. He had been hiding when the volunteer knocked on the door. Maybe he had, heard, he had had too many doors slammed in his face. Maybe that had happened. But the candidate stepped forward, very nice man, and he reached out and he shook my hand and he asked if he could count on my support. And I was honest. I said no. I wished him good luck and said thank you. And you know, so far he's the only one to make the effort, at least when I've been home, the only one to make the effort of showing up in person. Thank you. I bet we could all make a list of people who serve us, help us, even love us, and we take them all for granted. Who would be at the top of that list? Husband? Wife? Kids? Parents? Would God be at the top of that list? How about the server at our favorite restaurant who, who always says hello, who remembers our name, even if we don't sit down at one of her tables? How about the bus driver, tired, nearing the end of his shift, and he's had more than enough of dealing with demanding people? How about your child or grandchild's homeroom teacher, the caregiver in the nursing home? How about your local garbage collector? Two little words, so easily forgotten, so deeply felt. Thank you. Don't be like the man who really never expected to be thanked. His grown-up son went to one of those men's encounter sensitivity weekends that were so big in the 80s, and they still take place. They still happen. And as is always the case, the young man came home from the weekend knowing he had an issue with his father. That's always the case when, when these events happen. And he decided that he would call his father to say thank you and I love you because he had never done that. And so he called, the phone rang, his father picked it up and he said, Dad, it's me. And his father said right away, as he always did, okay, I'll get your mother now. No, Dad, I want to talk to you. Pause. Okay, how much do you need? No, Dad, and he began to tell his story and, and of his desire just to tell his father, thank you and I love you. And when he did, there was a long silence, and the father said, how much have you had to drink? Two little words, especially when they're unexpected, can change a life. 
So let's make a start and let's make every day a day for giving thanks. Amen. Glory to God.